Three, two, one, and welcome to Peak PT Studio Podcast with myself, Rich Higgins, David Lewis Charlton, and Josh Jurieff. How are we doing? Woo! All good. Happy Monday, all. Happy, happy Monday. Tuesday, if you're listening to this tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Happy, happy (laughs) Happy Tuesday. (laughs) It's nearly Christmas. It'll pretty much be Christmas by tomorrow as well. When's the first? Wednesday. Watch some Christmas films over the weekend. Yeah, saw the new Spirited with uh, Mr. Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, and it was very good. Excellent. Ten out of ten. Same for me. Z's. Excellent. I was saying because when we saw when I saw Chris and Katie on Friday, they were like, "Oh, we want Spirited. You have to watch it." <laughs> so we literally watched it Friday evening. I was like, "Ah, oh, it is good." Mm. I describe it as a cross between. I mean, I say this first: High School Musical. But I watched it with I'm The out. Greatest Showman <laughs> with Elf. Yeah. I'd say it's great. Like a blend. Did you see the uh, the was it the fourth war, where Will Ferrell? Oh, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, wait. No. I probably won't spoil watch it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoil away. This is where um, I'll look at it on there, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. There, uh, oh, there was <laughs> there was a uh, a section where Will Ferrell took the piss out of someone dressed up as Buddy Buddy the Elf. So uh, I quite enjoyed that. He wasn't taking shots at Asda, was he? No, not yet. Uh, that's next week that's our myth excellent excellent Uh, today we're going to look at recovery rehab from injury illness Josh got a bit of a sniffle at the moment so he can talk us through what's his recovery (laughs) plan Um, different grades whether it's things that are manageable or lay off for periods of time how we get clients back into it and then off the flip of that, our myth buster is all around recovery. It is, yeah. Josh Jurieff, take it away. Well, it's all about... Oh, come on. Oh, man. Uh, I was going to do the countdown one, no. <laughs> Just Tilly snoring, that's the jingle. That's it. That, that's the new one. Yeah. Yeah. That, like a, I a that one before. Yeah. <laughs> like countdown meets. I remember that for next week. Super Mario Brothers. At the end of the year, we'll listen back through them and pick our favourite one. <laughs> <laughs> Combine them together to get a blended one. Hmm. That's not a bad idea. Um, yeah, this week's Mythbuster is all around rehab work and kind of tools that allow you to, well, as this they say, yeah, they, they kind of sell it to you by recovering faster and more efficiently. And most of it's bullshit. Yeah, I'd say blanket statement across most recovery products, similar to, probably even more so, but similar to supplements and the supplement industry a lot in fitness, most recovery products are helping you, if anything, point something of a percentage rather than... 20% 20% that they might claim to or recover days quicker or weeks quicker than this. Do nothing else. Take this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Take this, like you say, with a bit of activity, healthy lifestyle. Yeah. So the bulk of recovery is going to come from nutrition, stress management, sleep, hydration, rest, um, and things like foam rollers, theraguns, power plates, compression garments, all of that kind of stuff. Infrared pyjamas, that's one. That's Tom Brady's, isn't it? Um, Anything along those kind of lines, for the most part, is going to be 
a very, very small piece of the pie, if any at all, in terms of actual physiological recovery. Um, psychosomatic, slightly different. So this is something we talk about with foam rolling with people. We had a bit of a discussion on it with Theraguns previously that I don't necessarily think most of the things do what they say they do on the tin in terms of myofascial release, rolling out knots, uh, actual recovery from DOMS and things like that. Generally, they may help desensitize an area, increase to a very marginal degree blood flow in a specific area and thus can help feel or say relieve that ache or that pain slightly, which may allow you to train more pain-free or quicker than you may have done previously. So in that sense, some ways it's done its job, but it's not necessarily the big chunk of recovery pie that you may think it is. If you did nothing but Theragun for... Yeah. Yeah hour and nothing else but it's good in slow-mo so it's good marketing isn't it (laughs) yeah so a lot of those kind of things i think any if you're there's always that meme of like having four hours sleep and then having a coffee after and it's sticking a plaster on a massive crack or a massive wound it's a bit like that with recovery if you're not taking care of your sleep hydration nutrition stress management using a Theragun, using a foam roller, wearing some compression leggings or something like that isn't going to help you for any great period of time. Like sort of nutritional supplements, they always say on the bottle, combine with all of the good stuff, a healthy lifestyle, yeah. rather than take it on its own. Same as the recovery stuff. If you want to, do it on top of everything else, but not definitely not instead of. Yeah, yeah. That was a good snort. Yeah, <laughs> Tilly's off at the moment of quiet. Tilly's bored of that one now, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get on to we'll get on to our actual main topic, which is similar to what we just talked about. But we're going to talk about uh, rehab from injury, layoff from injury, detraining effect, that kind of thing. How long uh, we need to lay off, what we can work around, and what needs complete rest, um, and then what coming back to exercise can look like. Um, hand over a little bit to Josh on this one. He's obviously sports therapy background, so he's going to talk us through grading like on injuries and things like that a little bit um, and work our way out from there. Yeah, so first of all, I guess it's a very large degree of what injury you have. So if that's muscular... Paper cut. Pardon? Paper cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, paper cut, sawn your leg off, that kind of Depends stuff. Depends where. it. But um, if we just go for a box standard muscle tear, it well, everything has their level of recovery, and there are definitely stages along that journey that you can listen out for in this pod, and hopefully it helps you. But you want to look out for, let's say, you know, the first thing is you've you've injured yourself and you go into that kind of remodeling phase, which would be uh, sorry information phase, which obviously is the area where you want to get some cryotherapy in there. So you want to get the icing, you want to get the um, swelling down to help your body recover. Uh, I think that's the first and foremost. Telling you, it's all covered up now. Um, and then through that it's down to kind of offloading. So within the first kind of few 
days or weeks, depending on the severity of the tear, uh, you, you'll notice that the protection offloading uh, will be what your body will do first. So if you've got, like I've just had a calf tear, I was walking like John Wayne for a couple of days. Yeah. Bloody running. Bloody running. Who does it? Fucking idiots. Similar to a paper cut, actually. Josh, <laughs> Josh's calf tear. <laughs> um, and then following that, you've got like phase two, which is the protection, uh, reloading and reconditioning phase. So following that, you're going to be looking at getting the muscle, um, breaking it back into shape. Um, so that's not to say that you should go out for another five miler after a few weeks, because um, that's really not going to help. And then <clears throat> two miles, two miles, and then, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, reconditioning. So you're looking at kind of movement patterns that mimic or are similar to what you are training for. So if you're getting straight back into running or weightlifting, you want to load up that muscle, that tendon, um, gradually um, throughout the kind of four to six weeks afterwards. And then after that, it's really a slow introduction of that sport or movement again. So after the six weeks, depending on, like I said, the grade of tear, you want to think about bringing yourself back into the fold and then just starting off. If you are, I don't know, running for a half marathon marathon, you just want to take a few miles in your, in your stride, stride to see how you feel and then progressively load it up. So reverse engineer it, in other words. That's the easiest way to break it down in a short format. Yeah. I think that touches on nicely like why we might get injured in the first place. There's a whole host yeah. of reasons. A lot of it, um, I'd say generally um, with tissue issues like that, it's um, new load that a muscle or tendon or ligament is not used to. So whether that be through volume, through intent, like volume doing too much, intensity too hard, uh, frequency too often. Um, I'm just not built for running over it. Just so, that's it. Just so you know. Yeah, I'm that's our ne next, next myth buster. <laughs> um, but yeah, those, those are kind of the general reasons. And also bad luck. <laughs> Um, is in there I think an awful lot of injuries come down to that and that we'll talk about it I'm sure later in the piece but getting into the psychological side of if you do get injured and things like that is you don't always necessarily need a a reason or a diagnosis to help an injury mm. when you're seeing a therapist or a physio or something like that I wouldn't stress too much if they can't necessarily say exactly why it's happened. I think as humans, we always want answers, answers, answers to stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it's bad luck. Um, injury and illness both tie into those. And psychologically, I think that can help a lot of the time because if you don't have an answer, you can get into a bit of that mindset of why me? I think they call it kind of victim mentality of like, why has this happened? Blah, 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 blah. Rather than just addressing the point and like Josh says, that gradual reintroduction and reloading to whatever the tissue be or whatever the illness be i think the classic one even if you're not a football fan is the michael owen you know mm. michael owen when he was in liverpool when he was 16 17 18 continuously getting injured mm. you know he was just getting loaded up too much too frequently yeah i'd sick pussy yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but he was he was overworked his yeah. body couldn't recover quick enough the stimulus was too much 
Mm. And the tech, I mean, you can there's an argument for the science and tech was not where it is now with Premier League footballers, but still, the basics were not there for him. Yeah. You know? And you can have a look at another footballer, Owen Hargreaves. He wasn't, he was a really good footballer you know, at Manchester United and Dortmund, I think. Jake Hall. Jake, one of our clients, will <laughs> specify that. But he was a midfielder and he was just really unlucky. He mm. wasn't getting a lot of stimulus, but, or not, he wasn't getting overworked. I and mean, he was in his mid 20s at this time. He just kept on getting injuries six months, nine months out. Mm. So, yeah. It's a classic, isn't it? Like you say, with footballers, of just that frequency, they're the next young hot thing or whatever in the in the league like you say with Owen when he was what 16 17 yeah and suddenly Liverpool want him to play every game England want him to play every game yeah and it's just overload and it, you do hear a lot with footballers of oh they're not taking this seriously they're not doing their recovery it's because they do this and this and that ties back into like people looking for a reason for it or a bit of blame to put somewhere I think a lot of the time sure uh, with your own injury whereas Actually, from the outset, yeah, like you say, it's just frequency, bad luck, yeah, um, and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a that's the football one's a pretty good example. I think a lot of the time, mm. you see some people just, and everyone's different to loading and to volume. So some people can. I don't like to use the word because it sounds like oh, some people are tougher or more robust than others but some people naturally are just better at handling handling more volume more intensity per se recover better um maybe because they've got a lot of the things in place that we're going to talk about but also just a natural ability and a natural pretensity to handling load and that kind of stuff for sure i think handling load if that if that were to be played out with science you know getting back into the fold of training. Um, a classic is, oh, I used to be fitter when I was younger. You know, mm. we see that quite a lot at the studio. Mm. I used to be fitter when I was yeah, I can do that, fine. And then, you know, the highest point of injury rate is that point where it's a new stimulus, like you say, everyone's getting back into training. And mm. then you go, oh, okay, I've just pulled yeah. hamstring, calf. The shoulder. mind's kind of outdoing the body at that point. Big time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big time. Of... I used to be able to do this, so why can't I do it now, 30 years later, (laughs) in a slightly different frame than I had then. Um, So yeah, that is a key. And a lot of that is, from our side of things, is managing what someone's doing in terms of frequency, intensity, and all that side of things. Mm. Um, But yeah, it is important to mark down that injury can just be a point of bad luck sometimes. Pothole. Yeah. Pothole. Yeah. I had someone... A guy used to train, did his Achilles stepping down off a curb. Um, I think he was walking around away on holiday, literally dropped down off a curb and Achilles gone like that. And there's, yeah, there's no way that you could say, oh, better not step off any curbs next time or whatever it might be. So sometimes, yeah, it's just a bit of hard times, hard lines with it. Um, any personal examples injury or client examples injury rehabbing I guess different stages as well of people that have taken you know months years versus someone that's off for a week or someone that even might not be off and you're just managing around an injury 
I had a 10 mil herniation in S4. So, without... In English? Uh, um, uh, one of my... Uh, my, my, low, my lower back is fucked. Um, yeah, so I... When was this? 2017? Ages ago. 16, maybe? Yeah. Um, looking back, I had all telltale signs. I had numbness down my leg. Um, calf was... My left calf kept on twitching and, and kind of going a bit spasmy. Calves again. Damn yeah. calves. There's <laughs> a trend. Um, yeah, and then long story short, um, I was in Barcelona. Lovely place. First time. And then, yeah, couldn't get out of bed. Too many carbs. Couldn't walk. Too many carbs. In, uh, curbs. Oh, carbs. Step down. Yeah. That too. <laughs> it was a big piece there. Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, I, after having some physio for six months, and having laser laser guided um, injections, which really fucking hurt. Um, they, yeah, my my disc was bulging, and um, I didn't want an operation, even though they recommended me. And yeah, two years later, around about eighteen months, um, I could train normally uh, again. So my norm, well, my normal. Before then, I was lifting a lot heavier, uh, but my new normal is can't lift, well, shouldn't lift really heavy stuff. Um, so I, I've only recently, I know you're taking a mick out of my cast, but I only recently started running in the last, last year, six months. Um, before that, every time I started to run or walk, uh, anything like that, um, spasms and numbness down the leg, that kind of stuff. So that's my personal experience. But I've had tons of clients have injuries, um, etc. Um, Spine and joint stuff sucks. Mm. Yeah. So one of our members, Joe, during the pandemic, she was. I imagine most people like this were using their sofa as an office, and she was sitting there, and her S four, I think it was S three. Anyway, around the lower back again. Uh, bulged so I recommended her to um, physio um, long story short they removed uh, they kind of um, operated um, sliced and diced away and then now she's 18 months <laughs> yeah <laughs> six foot shorter um, yeah she's a uh, year 18 months on um, and she can lift she trains five six times a week um, so throughout that history or throughout that journey she was testing um, the movement different flexion patterns different movement patterns all through that so there's two back examples there how about you guys you had any examples thankfully the only injury I've had through training is pulling my QL mm. and that was just through <clears throat> having a training partner who was short and very good at squats <laughs> sorry Mark you know you're short uh, and so we just had a we were trying to do sort of breathing squats and we were really trying to push our squat strength and squat pattern and so we upped our frequency volume intensity everything for our squats and then I generally overloaded and then this was just in a warm-up set 
I think it was maybe the second set. So we'd gone heavier, could squat a lot heavier. And then I think it was my second warm up set, just on 80 kilos and then pop. And then had to go home, couldn't walk, just mm. had to be in bed. So was bed bound for the rest of the day. And then it was just very sore from day two onwards. So I just had to manage movement, low tolerance, and then just start building back into sort of slowly increasing range of motion, what I could do, and then start building low tolerance. But then it's been fine ever since. So again, thankfully, no joint or spine, just muscular. Mm. So it's all sort of temporary. Again, like Josh said, return to sort of reduce inflammation, get through phase one, and then start building mobility again and restoring function and then phase three start building load tolerance again um and then outside of that just rugby injuries concussion mm. rolled ankles but nothing that you can really truly build a hundred percent resilience to like rich said it's just a bit of bad luck sometimes you can be as fit and sort of at your if you were a battery hundred percent resilient level mm. you can still run at full pelt, hit an angle whilst playing rugby and you roll your ankle because you've just hit a shit mm. patch and then roll it and then you're always sort of likely to re-roll. So once you've sort of overstretched some tissues, they're more than likely to re-roll and re-overstretch in the future. So it's that's what I was always sort of wary of with rugby. But thankfully no bones, no joints. Yeah. <clears throat> and then nothing training wise out of that mm. did you get any um, bruising with your QL any like any visible damage not that I can remember no it sits quite deep it but, was um, just any any hip flexion any bringing my knee up mm -hmm. it was like ah <laughs> um, but yeah again it wasn't sort of from a one rep max and overloading it that way it was just sort of progressive I always sort of describe some things as like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Mm. And if you're applying 1% more stimulus than you're recovering over, again, these are random numbers, don't hold me to this. But for example, over 100 days, you would hit sort of maximum, you'd hit 0%. So even though you're nearly recovering enough, if it's not sufficient over time, it just sort of builds like a pressure cooker and then that's when you can sort of get everything feels fine until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you don't really think you're overdoing it. But if everything feels fine, but actually it's not, again, like a pressure cooker, you'll just hit a point of a sort of threshold of danger zone. And then that's when something bad can potentially happen. It might not always, but that's why we're always sort of pushing recovery and stimulus and we're not, always aiming to like we've sort of said on previous mm -hmm. myths of you don't need to always go hard trying to fail maximum yeah. because yeah. then unless you're always maximally recovering which no one general population ever does no. you're always gonna potentially build that pressure cooker and put you in a more likely because we can only ever talk about probabilities rather than certainties you can do as much quote-unquote functional training sport specific training yeah. that helps with building resilience to specific 
injuries, but there's never 100% certainty of protection. Hence, elite athletes still get injured. Mm. It's not like, oh no, only Joe Public gets injured. Mm. Even the elites who focus on maximizing their recovery, but they're also trying to maximize their potential performance. So they're always pushing the limits and potentially working near yeah. that threshold. They're trying to keep under it, but it's a very fine, mm. fine balance. Mm. The mo- I think the most re-injuring people see is the second phase, which is proliferation. So mm. it's that level of, okay, feel fine. I've done all of those. I've ticked every box I need to tick. And then they just go too quick, too fast, and they're yeah. straight back into the first phase. They're re-injured. They've got you know visible or you know pain on movements. That that movement pattern then kind of back to the drawing board, and then you've got to go through the whole stages again. So because you're kind of working towards an invisible line, visible line, aren't you? Really, yeah. when the pain's gone, which is one of the signals our body's sending us to know that's too much that's too far mm-hmm. and once that's gone and someone starts feeling better again yeah. from whatever it be injury illness whatever um seen it a lot with covid actually like people coming back after yeah. covid illness feeling fine most of the symptoms have gone or the main symptoms have gone and then going too hard post that um in training whether that be physically pushing a muscle or with COVID, I get a lot of it has been around aerobic um, breathing sort of thing. People going, I'm recovered. Stress. Yeah. yeah. Then going too hard and putting themselves back quite a few steps by um, going a bit too overboard. But it's difficult when you're working up to a bit of an, an imaginary line, isn't it? I'm just laughing because I had COVID first Five year. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had it 16 times. No, but we... So Rich... Ian and myself went up to Portsdown Hill. So I had it October, first lockdown, just before the vaccine came out. I had it October, went up Portsdown Hill. I was blowing it. I mean, I would have been blowing anyway, but oh man, I was knackered for weeks afterwards. <laughs> and that picture you took of me, I looked, I mean, yeah. check out Rich's uh, Instagram page for... <laughs> Your seat had dropped about four inches as well, <laughs> yeah. didn't help. <laughs> yeah, didn't help. And my lungs were on fire. I felt fucked. Um... I think that's a difficult one a lot of the time coming back from illness, isn't it? Because you don't necessarily have a pain stimulus to show you how far you can and can't go. Like with injury, with tears and that kind of stuff, you can go and are that sore or you can go at 60, 70% and then see how the recovery is a few days after. Mm -hmm. I think with a lot of stuff, it's realising you've got so much time in the rehab phase. There's no need to rush straight back into um, trying to hit the same volume. Similar to when someone's goal setting with the fitness side of things, I think there's a quite a big um, overestimation of how much you can do in a short period of time when you're trying to reach a goal and people underestimate how much they can do in a long period of time or say a year. I think it's similar with once you're injured or ill or laid off is people massively overestimate how much they're going to lose strength, cardio, everything like that in a short period of time and then massively underestimate how quickly they can get that back. Similar to when you're ill, you think you're never going to be well again, even if you've got a cold or something, you can't remember being breathing normally. 
and then as soon as it's gone two days later you've completely forgotten that sensation of what it felt like to be inhibited slightly and same with injury as people were like if you say to someone two weeks of nothing they'll be like oh but I'm gonna go backwards lose all my progress and the detraining effect as it were I think that's massively overestimated a lot of time and actual just the general getting back into training post injury illness layoff um yes you're going to feel a bit sore for a little bit you're going to get doms uh joints and things like that will probably take a bit longer to warm up and movement patterns will feel a bit alien in reality strength takes a good deal of time to drop off muscle atrophy i think from what they've looked at in like medical research you know someone with a broken leg laid up on a sofa for however long it's a good couple of weeks generally before you're seeing atrophy of muscle so actually loss of muscle mass of two weeks of non-exercise and then you're looking at rates of kind of I think it's somewhere between two and four percent drop off per week post that similar for cardio fitness and then it's roughly about half the time in rehab for the most part to get that back so for example if you were laid off for a month it would be two weeks before, for the most part, you're going to see a serious amount of atrophy and then it's not taking too long post that to get it back. It might over, only be a couple of weeks after that. So it's not rushing the other side and expecting things to happen too rapidly, but equally taking faith in the fact that you're not going to have gone back to square one. Um, how long did you have after your back? Uh, 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a fair layoff. Yeah, it's I had like a lot. Yeah, I had, pardon? It's like me and COVID. Yeah. You mean lockdown or COVID? <laughs> I wasn't ill. I just was a COVID lockdown. <laughs> I wasn't ill. I was just in real close proximity to the fridge for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had um, so much strength hard. loss. Yeah, I had. Mm. What? Well, I mean, I was, I was lifting a lot more. You know, I can't lift. I used to be you know, a, a lot stronger than I am now. Mm. And um, yeah, the the rehab work was tough. Um, sometimes it took a little while to tell myself to stop. Because I'm like, I, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. The next two days after I can't, can't move, can't bend over. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, returning from my back injury. Yeah, it's, it was a tough journey. I don't, I do I think... I recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I don't recommend it. That, Three stars. Don't back. <laughs> Two out of five. Um, but there were definitely some, some areas where I can navigate. So with Joe having a fairly similar uh, experience to me, I could obviously through my own experience of that, I could just help her navigate through the recovery process, what she's gonna feel like, what she's gonna think, etc. And that's why she's, I'm not saying that's why she has, because solely of my uh, help, but she's had some really good uh, surgeons, great, and physios around her were really good. But coming back into training, she's stronger than she ever has been, down to the movement patterns that I found were tough myself, so if I worked those with her, um, I thought they could help her and they really have so you kind of I mean I've learned a lot from my personal experience through back kind of trauma mm. or injury um, I think for me it was policing it 
I think policed, policed well and managing the pain and the recovery was the area that I learned the most of. So you need to fund police. Pardon? You need to fund police. Yeah. Yeah. Mental side's the biggest part, I think, a lot of it, isn't it? Getting back into uh, training post layoff is almost, if it has been that longer period of time, wiping a clean slate almost on what you could previously do, setting new goals that may not be, I want to lift X amount or this. It might be a, I have to tick off such and such a rehab session and increase in range of movement or whatever it might be, or gradual increase to loading on the rehab side and getting your head around that is difficult because you can look at progress in a different way that side of things getting back to pain-free movement or whatever it might be whatever the end goal of the rehab might be versus i want to do a bodyweight chin-up or have a six-pack or whatever it might be so changing the moving the goalpost slightly and setting out a clear um schedule of rehab and I hesitated on that because it might not necessarily be six weeks of this and you're going to be fine again because things stagnate people recover at different times potential to re-injury and all that kind of stuff so it might be different for everyone but it might be a frequency thing of I want to hit such and such amount of rehab sessions this range of motion is the end goal um, pain-free movement for this approaching this session or this movement without anxiety could be a big one um and a lot of that is dependent on the individual dependent on the time frame um especially when you've had a long layoff like that for sure uh i think the psychological side can be pretty big i think it's down well like dave said earlier like the the recovery it's not just physical is it you just got to get through you know how are you going to get through it plan it out and just make sure you give yourself enough recovery time and enough time to process and reflect. Um, mm. Because I think that can really, like you say, really can knock the wind out of your sails mm. and also push you to do stupid stuff. So you go too fast too soon. And then like I said, you just go back to stage one or structurally you make it a lot worse. Yeah, sometimes I think it's like we've mentioned with identity and say people identify as where they were or what they could do sometimes especially if an injury is so severe that you never structurally will be the same again that means that you will always have a propensity towards some potential injury so it is sort of like Richard was saying about having a sort of new clean slate sometimes it's having a new sort of mindset on not getting back to what you could do but getting to a point where you can maximize whatever you can do now post injury even if it's uh, for example pregnancy I see a lot of the time people saying oh I'm going to get back to my pre-pregnancy body yeah. and even then again pregnancy can have such a wide variety of how that actual pregnancy goes mm -hmm. and then the impact on your body that it's it's probably never going to be the same again. So I think it's a good idea to have a, a sort of clean identity slate of I'm going to get back to whatever I can do now yeah. and maximise my new body rather than 
getting back to what you could do and accepting an injury has occurred you've gone through a big physical change that's okay and maximizing wherever you can mm. is still going to be a lot yeah you can still do a lot even with an injury even like with Josh's back he can still get back to good quote unquote strength levels rather than even if it's not compared to what he could do for the strength levels of what you need day to day in life you can still get easily above those to remain quality of life all you need is bicep curls that's all you need that's mm. all you need just pen out there <laughs> yeah a pain free back is cool but no it's important but yeah. biceps are important <laughs> <laughs> pretty much I mean that comes on to it doesn't it a at the other end of the scale of injuries that, or injuries, I guess things that fall under injuries or niggles or short-term layoffs of what people can work around. Um, I think that's something we see quite a lot is when someone has an injury or is ill at the other end of the spectrum, I think we've covered quite a lot of the when you need to lay off and when you need time off. But there are times that you can work around injury and there's other options there or work around illness. We're not saying be a hero and try and work through absolutely everything and no pain, no gain, all that kind of nonsense. But, you know, if you've got a limb injury or a limb niggle or something like that, generally there's other stuff that you can work around in the gym. It's a big part of what we do with coaches is first question we always ask everyone when they come in the gym is any injuries, any niggles, how are you feeling, how's the body, how are you feeling mentally, that kind of thing because we're then tailoring the session or tweaking the session around that, um, around on what, whatever injury or niggle someone might have. Um, and it's quite similar, I think, in, in terms of the long-term injury is looking at you know, load progression, working around pain. That's always a good feedback. It's always a good tool, as your body will tell you for the most part when it doesn't like something or when you're doing something too much or the range is too much or a movement pattern and things like that is having a good feedback tool that way and a good open dialogue with a coach or a trainer or whoever you're with is always really helpful because there is generally stuff that you can work around. I think most people at some point or 90% of the time have some sort of niggle or ache or whatever it might be and it's differentiating that from an injury that needs layoff or needs completely leaving alone and rehabbing versus something I can work around. Slightly manipulating a movement pattern. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Getting a theragun on it to help it out. Getting a theragun, that's Leather it. water. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinkle turmeric on it. Yeah. <laughs> on the paper cut. Because <laughs> I guess with a lot of yours, like yours have been, like you say, smaller <laughs> niggles and injuries and things like that along the way. So it's been what do you use in terms of working around that? Yeah, so during lockdowns, uh, <laughs> I sort of lost all motivation to train. If you saw the look, um, yeah. It was sort of the first time I wasn't active, because even when I worked, I would sort of walk into work, be on my feet most of the time. And during the lockdowns, I sort of lost all motivation to, to train. I sort of thought, well, what's the point? I don't know how this is going to go. Mm. Um, and so didn't, and then started to, I mean, I did probably under 10 
I say training sessions, quote unquote, because it wasn't, I don't really call it training because I wasn't consistently working towards a progressive goal. It was mm. more, oh, I was doing some movement to mm. stop myself yeah. getting tight. Oh, I've been sat down on the sofa for a year and a half. <laughs> I should probably move in a different position. Yeah. <coughs> Is that but kind then, of longest layoff you've had, do you reckon, yeah. from fitness? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because even, even with injury from rugby or what have you, it would be, say, a rolled ankle. I yeah. could still come in and train up a body or mm. do some... I could always do something because I always wanted to. Whereas this was the first time I sort of really lost the, the mental desire to do anything rather than just a sort of loss of physical desire somewhere in my body to, to train everywhere else would be fine so I would always do something and so coming back to training now because so as we're talking about recovery different parts of the body recovery recover at different time frames so muscles recover faster than tendons and ligaments and tendons and ligaments recover faster than bones and so depending on where your injury is or how you're pushing a training session wherever you've built load tolerance to even though you might be muscularly fine to train again yeah. your tendons might not have fully recovered and those are the things that have in that pressure gauge pressure cooker effect so even though muscularly you're like yeah I feel fine mm-hmm. and then over time say X amount of sessions you actually start to feel a tendon pulling a tendon starting to be inflamed and then that's where I've gotten to or did get to with coming back to training because I sort of know movement patterns I know how to use my full body to lift something rather than just aiming for a muscle to lift something I still had pretty good strength levels Mm. Um, so as in I could still come in and deadlift and feel fine not pulling my back but even though my muscles were recovering and they could build load tolerance faster, I then started to feel a lot of sort of elbow tendons and sort of shoulder and sort of little niggles. And that's because even though I could train well and my muscles were fine, I was basing my recovery off of just muscle recovery and how I felt rather than other tissues. And because they take longer, it's very difficult mentally to say, huh, I feel fine, 95% of me feels fine, but my left elbow tendon I always felt on pull-ups or rows or bicep curls, so anything there. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's just everything else feels fine. It'll get better. And then again, over time, it doesn't, it starts to pressure cooker its way up to a point of, huh, now I can't actually do the things I could muscularly because I'm limited by mm. my tendon and therefore that again sets me back a few steps mm. in order to fix that to progress everything else. So it's always it's always important to sort of be aware of your weakest links mm-hmm. and then trying to manage them rather than just pushing through. Again, I think unless you have a time-restricted life goal that you might potentially be okay risking an injury for, in my opinion, it's not worth it 
because you always need to be able to move to do fitness. Yeah. And especially as you sort of really push age and training, quality of life for the older generation, I think massively comes down to movement capacity. And if you can maintain movement capacity throughout your life, you're always going to sort of have that as an underlying goal, priority, top mm. trump, whatever you need. So mm. it's all well and good sort of focusing on the short-term goal and achieving it. But if you sort of take a step back and look at your whole training cycle over your whole life, mm. you probably want to not screw yourself over. Because yeah. otherwise you'll always have slight niggles, pains throughout. And it's mm. always... I think a good priority to try and manage movement capacity over reaching a short-term goal. Mm. I think people listen as well. I think that's a really good point. Like the signal that your body will give you for tendon tendinopathy or a muscle muscle a muscle strain or tear. Yeah, they're both pain, but the the signal's different. So if you have experienced that, you'll notice that a sharp stabbing pain is what a muscle tear will feel like and then a tendon strain damage will feel i say more of a, a stronger ache a dull ache um, and it will stop you but it won't stop you in your tracks suddenly it'll be in the background nagging you and it's just i think good for people to be able to realize what they've got or what they're working with in terms of injury and returning to training yeah, probably something we don't do a lot ourselves, but try and encourage with clients is generally that sort of stuff, like you say, is it's better to ease back when you get that initial signal rather than trying to push through that specific movement. Like we said, there's loads of stuff that you can do around it if you want to continue. And also giving yourself a time in the other direction of recovery, like what is an extra week in the grand scheme of things. You know, even if you're off for 18 months, something like that, in the grand scheme of... You take that back. I meant Josh. <laughs> yeah. In the, sorry. In the grand scheme of a lifetime worth of, you know, training and things like that, it's a small percentage still. Um, so it's worth taking the time on that rehab side of things, for sure. Um, giving yourself a bit of space and a bit of time for that. It's something we talked about loads post-covid wasn't it with people is you're much better off giving yourself a bit of time for that respiratory system to recover um and underdoing it on the way back in rather than overdoing it because that can set you back um an awful long way for sure yeah playing a long game definitely yeah yeah absolutely um so on the recovery side i get like not just rehabbing but recovery in general from exercise and Things like that. We talked, to, yeah. We talked about coming back from injury, illness, that kind of stuff, and what can help if you can't do anything at a time. Um, so we'll look at things. I guess stress management, nutrition. What can help you? Um, recovery in general, hydration, sleep, all of that kind of stuff. Um, of what can benefit aside from using a foam roller or a theragun, which is obviously going to be the the bulk of it. Yeah, 90%. I always like uh, Dr. Andy Galpin's sort of message with recovery of with your recovery, you're just trying to sort of get out of the body's way. 
So the body naturally has an inherent ability to repair itself, yeah. recover itself, maintain itself, as well as super compensate and adapt and improve. And so everything we do recovery-wise is just trying to maximize our body's natural ability to do its thing. Mm. And every time we do something in the outside world is sort of a, a, a stress, so as in it requires output, whereas then you sort of have the flip side. So I always just sort of try to describe it as a battery and just there are things that are going to drain you and there are things that are going to recharge your battery. And the key things to focus on are the big, big rocks, such as consciously trying to manage your stress. So like we were saying with injury, if you start to get an ache, a pain, a niggle, you have to consciously, well, ideally let us know to help so that we can man stress manage your training, your load, your movement patterns, etc., to help you keep moving forward or laterally rather than backwards. Yeah. And then everything that helps recover your battery, sort of nutrition, sleep, hydration, general sort of activity as well as rest, um, will all have the biggest impact on your body's natural ability to, well, one, repair and sort of recover from training, but then it's the same it's the same thing within the body of repairing from injury as well as illness. You're just trying to maximize your body's ability to look after itself. That's the same as recovering from fitness. That's the same as recovering from an illness. You're trying to maximize your body's ability to utilize its immune system mm. um, and things like that. So all of these big rocks are where the magic is. And then if you supplement on top with some of the nonsense but possible psychosomatic benefits then cool yeah i think that's why i'm touch wood i've been lucky i've never had anything too serious injury or illness wise i think the longest i've had off is uh, nearly f three and a half weeks it was from actual um <laughs> injury or illness yeah touch wood i've been pretty lucky um but yeah general approach is always I think food and nutrition when people you know if you're used to training a lot of the time and then you go to not being able to train or do anything mm -hmm. um a lot of worry around nutrition and you know down regulating what you eat and things like that I tend to go on the opposite side of things and think this is a time where my body needs lots of nutrient lots of calories to try and help it get better um and so on the nutrition front I tend to focus in a bit more on making sure I'm getting good amounts of protein in, lots of nutrients, fruits, vegetables, all of that kind of stuff, and not um, yeah, not worrying when I uh, if I'm hungry a lot of the time, or if I if I feel hungry a lot of the time, I don't tend to stress on that too much, and I'll just eat um, because I think it's I'd rather be. <laughs> A few pounds heavier and get better quicker than the, the, yeah, than the other than the other way around rather than starving my body at a time when it's trying to repair and recover itself um especially yeah like i say just in the past just i guess muscle tears broken bones and things like that and um that's generally my approach from the nutrition side sleep i think is a bit of an obvious generally you're 
a bit more tired, a bit more lethargic, I think, coming back from any kind of illness and injury. And again, that's your body probably trying to tell you stuff, um, sending you a bit of a signal. It's no coincidence people just want to sleep when they're ill. Yeah, 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 exactly. Sleep and eat. <laughs> that's that's kind of the main main thing, I think. Sleep, eat, drink water. Yeah. Repeat. Get plenty of rest. Yeah, yeah. Anything we've missed on that side? Don't think so. No, be all good. Yeah, all good. Yeah. Lovely stuff. So I think takeaways from a lot of the conversation is um, first off, listening to those signals. Uh, I guess even pre that is understanding that injury can come from all sorts of angles. Illness, even more so, can come from any angle. Um, a bit left field in some some cases. Um, yeah it's noticing kind of frequency and load and intensity and things like that mm. um over time can cause it a bit of bad luck can cause injury illness can come from a bit of bad luck just a bit of bad fortune not necessarily needing psychologically to pin it on one thing and sometimes a hard side of that is not having an answer as to where the injury or where the in illness came from. That doesn't mean that you can't rehab something and recover from something, even if you don't have a specific diagnosis to it um, from an injury or an illness perspective. You know, pain in a muscle, yeah, it may be a tear or something like that. You may never get that diagnosis, but not necessarily need to, to hang your hat on that. Um, going forward you can still rehab it through pain signals and managing load and things like that so first one off first one to think about is that then if you do get injured the seriousness of it is it something you can work around is it something you can generally progress or do you need full layoff full rest um, and that might maybe the time where you consult with a fitness professional or a health professional that may just be chatting to your coach or your PT about something. It may be going seeing a sports therapist, a physio, an osteo, or it may be seeing a doctor, wherever on that scale you are. Um, and then, I guess, resetting, realigning goals a little bit in terms of recovery to uh, normal, whatever that may be. That may not be where you were previously. It may be better than where you were previously because you've got a bit of time to focus on specific things and specific movements um so it's it's man there, there's a lot to kind of think about take on and manage um but it is all doable i think rather than jumping into that oh i'm injured throwing the toys out of the pram oh i'm ill throwing the toys out of the pram is it doesn't necessarily help any situation i think for the most part um and then yeah, it's on to rehab process. I think. Yeah. Anything to add? I was looking for any kind of addition. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Tilly's make really suspect noise <laughs> Train hard, recover harder. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Listen, listen police it. Um, be reflective, I think. Reflecting on movement patterns and the recovery process, but that will really help you navigate it quicker more efficiently and the chance of re-injuring yourself will be a lot less than oh okay just see what happens 
Um, there's no structure, there's no plan around it. A bit more ad hoc never really helps. Cool. That's I think we're all done. There we go. Recovery, rehab, injury, illness. It's probably something that we'll revisit in the future because it's an always ongoing topic, isn't it? Yeah. It's always something that... Talk a bit more on the excuse, recovery rocks. Excuse the pun, but flares up um, oh, every now and again. Good one. Um, I think most people have got something to deal with at some point. Um, but that is it from us for another week. Um, where are we in, What are we into next week? We've got a couple coming up, haven't we? Yeah. Energy system development, goal setting, and then all our Christmas bests for the year. Yeah. Best jingle. 